What's up, y'all? Welcome into a brand new Hold That Podcast podcast. It is January 7th, the time of this recording, meaning it is Tuesday, meaning we are less than a week away from the big one, the national championship in New Orleans. Tiger v. Tiger, playing for pinks, Death Valley on the line, LSU v. Clemson, Number one pick against number one pick, two top five backs, maybe the best receiving cores going against each other. You know, maybe take out Alabama, but still Ross, yeah. Higgins, Chase, Marshall, Aranda versus, well, not really verse, but Aranda and Venables versus these incredible offenses. Like, this is everything that you want from a national championship. And we're going to dive into it here on today's Hold That Podcast. Podcast. I am T Bob A Bear. Reminding you to buy all of your meats at A Bear Specialty Meats off of Jefferson Highway in the Bocage area or in Prairieville. And he is Brody Miller of The Athletic. Brody, what's up, man? Not too much. I'm kind of thinking our uh, our podcast run is nearing its not. It's not going to stop, but it's like, oh shoot, the season's almost over. Well, football's almost over. I mean, I guess we can. We haven't still, discussed how we're going to do when the season. We'll over. make off. We'll make off air plans about how to continue this going forward. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. If you've enjoyed the show, thank you so much. And if you want to rate and review, I don't know why that helps, but people say it helps. I, the podcast that I listen to, at least. So uh, give us five star ratings. Also, come out Saturday, House of Blues. Yeah, I was getting there, Brody. God damn it. Um, yeah. Final piece of housekeeping is how I was going to set that up. Tiger final piece of housekeeping here. Uh, we will be at House of Blues noon to three Saturday, right? Uh, noon to three Saturday. Yep. Yeah, and I think twelve to one's kind of planned as like a drinking hour where we Ooh, get nice and late. You know up, more details than I do about uh, my own company. Talking, talking to listeners and hanging out, and then uh, we'll hop on stage. I think around one to three and record a <laughs> live podcast talking about this game. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Andy Staples, me, you. I'm guessing some Clemson guys. I mean, pretty much everyone that's going to be a town from the Athletics. So Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples, oh, really? Stu Mandel, Nicole Auerbach, Grace Rander, who covers oh, Clemson, whoa, Matt no Fortuna, way. us. It's pretty much the whole athletic staff plus T-Bob and some other guests. Hell yeah. Dude. By the way, I wanted to bring this up. Should I be threatened by you kind of stepping on my turf? I mean, um, I was kind of thinking about this too. My am first I... reaction was like, oh, hell yeah, let's get T-Bob. And then like a few days passed and it was like, huh. Am I now the LSU athletic guy? Am I? I mean, I mean, people are talking. If y'all ever go into like, if y'all ever decide to get out of the sports writing game and get into the audio game, you know where to go. We are. We quite literally are. We literally. I have a, just announced a thing. We have Saturday. We just talked about this. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. It's, I guess it's true. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was a. It was a quick moment of like, oh sweet, T Bob's coming. And it's like, huh? Am I not yeah. good enough to oh, go on alone? T Bob's coming. You were like, oh up. shit. And it's like. Yeah, for like, am, I not, am I not marquee enough to be the main LSU guy on there? Do they have to bring T-Bob in? I'm sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. No, I'm D. just, just going to embrace it. You know, I'm Garfunkel and I get it. Speaking of sorry, um, sorry for what happened in Indiana. Oh, man, come on. It was tough. I think the only reason I'm... I know your existence as an Indiana fan is pain. Yes. But... Well, it was actually funny. I was talking to Zach Osterman, the Indiana, IU beat reporter for the Indianapolis Star, and I guess like somebody in the press box who covers Tennessee was like, well, this one's over. And like Joe Rexroad, who just covered Big Ten and SEC, sitting between them. And Osterman just turns to him and he's like, Joe, 
just tell him how Indiana football works. Like, it was five <laughs> minutes left, and he just knew. He knew. I think the only reason I was even remotely, like, bummed, I mean, of course I was bummed, but, like, I knew it was coming. I really deeply did. But, like, was because I had gotten, like, six or seven, like, really well-meaning text messages of, like, Indiana did it! You know, yeah. like, five minutes left. Like, they're winning! I'm Indiana! It was, like, kind of, like, and then it's, like, I didn't answer any of them because I knew what was going to happen. And then I was, like, shit. Yeah, nine Windiana uh, did oh, not well. come to fruition. Still the best season in 30 years. You know? Um... Indiana has not Every, won nine games since 1967. Yeah. Uh, have won a bowl game since 1991, which oh. is just bonkers. Oh, no. Ouch. But almost everyone's come back next year. Should be a good team. Tennessee, on the other hand. Well, so they, they're fascinating because for two quarters they looked like so physically good. Then they looked terrible because I think Tom Allen did some really good defensive stuff to confuse him. But then they ended strong. So, yeah, I think that. Very Tennessee-like. But, but I was going to say, I mean, way. they turned that season around. Credit to them. Um... Also in my, let's not react too strongly about coaches, T-Bob. You're Mr. Fire Everybody the second they suck for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, no, Pruitt will suck. Like, over, I'm not I, Pruitt guy. I, are you, I'm not saying, are you, are you taking this moment to say that Pruitt is really going to turn the Tennessee program around? I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm I, saying he deserves a little more benefit of the doubt than I gave him two months ago. I'm taking this moment to go full obstinate, full stubbornness, and I'm going to plant my flag, and Tennessee will continue to suck under Jeremy and Pruitt. And almost more spin this as a, you almost lost Indiana? You know, like, do it more yeah, of that. Yeah, Indiana's that, terrible. Yeah, that's a good that's I mean, good I just can't believe that Indiana couldn't do what only Georgia State and BYU could manage to do. Unbelievable. Uh, when you put it like that, shit. All right, um, all right. Let's dive into the game now. Sorry, you know we have a tendency to get a bit distracted. That's why you listen? That's why you show. listen. Yeah, that's true. And I hope you enjoyed movie talk last week as well. Yeah, actually, I don't think either of us tweeted it out. By the way, uh, I realized I tweeted that one tweet, but I did I, not push it as hard as I should. I don't have. think either of us tweeted anything about that podcast. I am an artist. I am not an organizer, and by far the weakest portion of my professional skill set is actually pushing my own content and being organized and responsible. Well, I think that. my problem is I don't know the podcast is up most of the time until you tweet it because, like, you know, you do that. So, And then all of a sudden it'll be, like, Friday, and then, like, Friday's like, well, is it too late to tweet it now? And yeah, then- okay, well, know this. I post it immediately after we get done here. Uh, maybe in a couple times no, but, like, generally I'll just throw it right up there, and then it takes about an hour to Good get to up. Know. So. Good to know. Whatever. Um, all right. Let's this dive is, into this, this game. Um, I have some thoughts on this game. Give me all the thoughts. Two of my favorite athletic articles, in fact, from this week. Uh, we'll get into what you have written, which you wrote about. Uh, we can we can ignore that. Jack Marucci's uh, character uh, matrix that he has built, which we've actually talked about on the show. I was going to say you are literally the one who told me about yeah, this. Yeah, thank you, thank you very so, much. And um, I spent the last three months trying to get him to talk about again, it. again. I'm coming. Watch out. Yeah, shit. And uh, Idea guy. the second article you wrote that I want to touch on as well is about Grant Delba, the year that he had. But before we get there. I was going to say, I know what you're getting to. Uh, the Feldman Staples articles. They're fantastic. They are fantastic. And it's and it's not that Feldman or Staples wrote anything themselves, because I, I think Feldman's almost really just all quotes. Staples maybe had a little more commentary yeah, in yeah. there. But it was essentially these two guys, Feldman did it for LSU, Staples did it for Clemson, where they talked to coaches who have played these teams this year. And when you're talking about the best source, while there's some bias there, because they, they, they're commenting on the record anonymously, is that on the record? I'm not a journalist. On the record, but anonymous, yeah. Okay, so I was right. I mean, I'm coming for you. Or on background, uh, would um, put it. On background? Is that like, that's like a little jargon, a little shop talk? Yeah. So commenting <laughs> on background, these guys, uh, I think we're, we're very honest. And, man, the quotes... 
regarding this LSU offense. And the quotes regarding Clemson are glowing as well. But, like, the quotes regard listening to defensive coaches talk about how they tried to play this LSU offense, I think gave me, I, I, I want to say insight or maybe, like, confirmation. It just confirms everything that we think outside looking in is that they are a real problem and there is no great answer to try to handle them. Yeah, and, and you know, and you got to keep in mind, like, the people, obviously we don't know exactly who Bruce talked to, but, like, LSU played a lot of the top defensive minds in football this year. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yes. like, these you are, know, these are there's a good guys. chance the people they're talking to are, like, elite SEC coaches and assistants and whatnot, which really does tell you a lot in that they really just came away. I think the big takeaways were, I mean, the Burrow stuff is what you expect, right? It's that just, like, he just does things that aren't fair. I got it, some, I got some, so I, I but actually copy But the Clyde stuff really jumped out to me. Yes, they love Clyde, but I copy-pasted a bunch of quotes. We can oh, maybe good. read glad. some of these verbatim. Um, this is the first one that he kicks off the article. Uh, one defensive coordinator who has faced the Tigers assessed what makes him special this way. Quote, the QB is elite. They have elite skill. They are on a magic ride. The rarest of seasons, Joe Burrow, makes it all go. Reminds me of 2012 with Manziel at A&M. Appreciate what you're watching. Wish I didn't have to experience it, which yeah. I love that. And then he says, and to be clear, Burrow is 1,000% better than Mandel, and this is a quote that I love. The momentum he creates is like a tidal wave. That's some great uh, I've never really thought of in the terms of visual. the momentum he creates. Yeah, yes. that's an interesting, because I think that kind of goes back to what we always talk to, of that idea of, like, you know, Alabama's going on a 21-point run. Can you recreate your own momentum? Yes. And you're never really worried about that with Burrow. I assume that's kind of what he's alluding to. Well, I think he's alluding to not only can he... So I think if LSU were to get down, which we haven't seen a lot this year, maybe Florida would be the game. Florida's the only um, real one. If LSU were to get down, Burrow, he is able to regain that momentum. But I take it even more as he just – it's the, – the, 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 how quickly LSU can start to apply scoreboard pressure – it's 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 devastating. Yeah. If you're the other team trying to keep pace with that offense this year, it probably feels like fighting against the tidal wave. And then especially if you're in that, if if, if this is a coach who played in Tiger Stadium, where then the crowd gets into it, and then the and then if you played them later in the season, then the defense gets into it. Yeah, it 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 starts to feel, I think, a bit uh, insurmountable. You mentioned Clyde. Here's another coach, number twenty two. That damn running back does a hell of a job. This is from an SEC DB coach. If you don't stop him, you don't have a shot. I put him against any other SEC back. He makes two or three guys miss from Alabama and got the first down. Tough, hard runner. He is almost always making the first guy miss. He'll run you over, too. He's a real key in that deal to us. He's the real headache. They hit him out the backfield, and then he can run corner routes for touchdowns. So Clyde getting some love there as well. And again, yeah, I think hearing it from them kind of confirms everything we always said about him, and that is that – it's not even just what he does. It's the way that you just like have to. It's hard to game plan around him because of his versatility. So hearing that from them really jumps out. And I think the one that probably jumps out for me most is when they were talking about, you know, what do you think Venables might try? And the guy said, one defensive coordinator said, you have to defend five guys in every in routes in every yep. single play. Not a zone exists that allows for that. Which means you better be able to get rushed with four and be able to play man to man. Ohio State would have had the personnel on every level to have a shot to do that. I don't know Clemson personnel. Which that that wasn't saying he doesn't think Clemson couldn't. He was just like, no. He's saying he does not has not watched. Clemson. But still, I just love that concept. Of like, there's not a single zone that exists for that. Well, that single quote is exactly it is representative of why LSU has stressed you so badly. It's because they can play eleven personnel the entire game 
And within that 11 personnel, they have answers for everything that you want to do. Uh, Clyde out the backfield. Like, okay, like you, you overcommit to stopping the receivers. Then you got to deal with Clyde and Thad Moss on these short little uh, kind of these like jab shots, right? Just jab, not haymakers, just jabbing, jabbing, consistent fighting. Uh, okay, well, you want to, like this other coach says, you want to try to, okay, here, here's the next quote, right? He says, I thought this from another guy. I thought we did things the right way. Yeah. We maybe tried to tweak a little too much. He says, we were doubling Chase and bracketing Edwards Alaire. And like that's, and then on their linebackers, they had a spy on Burrow. And like, that's fine. But then you got to deal with Justin Jefferson one on one. And you just saw what he just did in the Peach Bowl. Yeah. And now Jefferson's season is just. A bit gaudy statistically, yeah. with over a hundred catches and eighteen touchdowns. Then there's Terrace Marshall, who's caught twelve and he's like six five. Then there's Thad Moss, and as he goes on to say, they're they're like even taking those guys out of it. He says there were a few times early we kind of stopped the play, but it still turned into plus thirty because Joe just did something, and then he closes it with, "What would I do differently?" Just not play him, <laughs> which is, I mean, the ultimate compliment that you can pay someone. Which makes you wonder that has to probably be either Georgia or Auburn's defensive coordinator. I, right? yes, yes. It has to be one or the other. Yes. Or even not, not defensive coordinator, it has to be one of their defensive yeah, sorry, coaches. Yeah. yeah. I he agree. says the other defensive coordinator. So that yeah. feels like Georgia, that last quote does. Because that's the game where Burrow just did the most nonsense. Yes, and that is also Honestly, the game. I don't think it's crazy to say it's Oklahoma either, because I actually think Oklahoma covered LSU really well, and Joe just did so the, stuff. So the only reason why, I'm, why I don't think Oklahoma is because they specifically talk about bracketing Edwards Alaire. Oh, good call. And, good and, call, and good Edwards call. Alaire was a little, little banged up in Oklahoma. But good. to your point, yes, Burrow had a lot of just like, I'm just going to yeah, be a magician. Georgia feels right, because Georgia didn't cover him bad either. Georgia was actually the game I look back on most this season and say, like, I don't think Georgia played bad. No. They just, like, made plays where just, like, what's happening? Okay, so so then this all begs well, the question. Well, This all begs the question, then, though, how does Brent Venables do it? With a defense that is not as talented. They're, they're, so on the opposite side of the docket, there's a quote from the, from the Clemson article uh, where he kind of points it out. He, he says how great it's going to be. He says, look, you're talking about two number one picks at quarterback. You're talking about two top five backs. You're talking about great receivers. But if you go match the rosters, the front seven of LSU is a heck of a lot better than the front seven of Clemson. But you wonder if the culture and the belief of Clemson can make up for that difference. That's interesting. And I think the big thing that I'm fascinated by is that they talk about Venables, and that's in this article, and they and this yeah. is kind of the fundamental thing I think you have to talk about in this game is he doesn't ever show the same thing twice in a row. He's as good as anybody at disguising what he's showing, constantly confusing you, constantly keeping you on your toes. That's something – I'm not saying other teams didn't do that. They definitely did. I think Auburn did that a little bit. I think Mississippi State did that a little bit and actually kind of confused Burrow. I think a lot of teams have done that, but – He's the best at that because it's the opposite of Aranda. Aranda keeps things ridiculously simple this season. He calls the same things on first and second down almost every time, and then he does his funky creative stuff on third down. But even then, it's still the same kind of personnel. And fun- what, yeah. yeah, I mean, <coughs> Aranda's the. O- I mean, Venables is the well, opposite. But would you say though that Aranda's kind of here lately, ever since the Mo Hampton emergence? I feel like he's been. He's getting more creative with his play he's calls. He's being more disguised. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but. So- He's still like kind of on first and second down. You're always going to see either you know man cover one 
where yeah. you're gonna see like their cover four stuff. It's kind of like one or the other. It's, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, I, and you give them out of the same base look, so they don't know pre-snap which one you're gonna go to. But yeah, yeah. And I want to be, I want to credit Seth Galina, our our good friend, because he kind of pointed a lot of this out to me. So I don't want to act like this is all like me. And Seth knows. Seth does Seth incredible really, work. Really, really, he's blowing up this year, by the way. Big year for Seth. Yes. But yeah, so that's what I'm fascinated. It's not but just the DMCA <laughs> gods are gonna come for his Twitter, unfortunately, if they haven't yeah. already. It we're happens. Not, we're to not allowed to use it anymore. Yeah. It sucks. Um, fuck you, copyright laws. But yeah, get I don't with the fuck. Get with the times. Be like the NBA. You should encourage us to tweet out. That your is stuff. complete. That's my big thing. I agree with. Is I that mean, the NBA like, is ahead of. That's why NBA is the most popular growing sport because it's fun and it embraces being fun. It doesn't on fight social this shit. media. Like, yeah. What is that company gaining by hiding that? I really want to know because nobody's gonna go and like pull up that like ESPN stream. But like, I gotta get that clip. <laughs> like. <laughs> no, know, just dude. random. I have no idea. You're spreading the popularity of the game by letting people do this. But I anyway. know. It's so obvious <laughs> to us. Anyway, okay, rant, right, sorry. rant over. But yeah. No, yeah, I don't think Clemson's as like quite literally good as Georgia's defense or as quite literally talented as Ohio State or uh, Auburn or any, a lot of the teams LSU's played, but it goes back to the Venables thing and that yeah, comment. The Venables <laughs> factor, exactly. And the thing you were saying about belief and just like they just this is a really well done team. They know they're more balanced, I would say, than some defenses, but I'm just interested to see a defense that also just kind of can really match more things. So this is where your character article Actually, in my opinion, becomes very relevant because the Cle- I should I honestly that's my big regret is that I didn't actually like parlay the Clemson part into that article because I mean I don't know it's it's hard to judge outside looking in like I'm not covering Clemson right but just watching the post game interview where Trevor Lawrence is quoting in a verse from Ephesians that I've never heard of and there I think it was Isaiah Simmons maybe that had the crosses on his cheeks like this seems like a very wholesome team and not always saying like whatever people who quote god or religion or whatever in the post game like yeah a lot of times those guys can be assholes yeah they just say that because that's what you do (laughs) for some reason i take it as more sincere with clemson and maybe that's because the kind of culture that Dabo puts out there but they just feel wholesome they always have like like to nick saban's dark side Dabo has been the kind of light side to a point where it's hokey at times, like it feels like hokey, folksy BS. It is hokey, but yeah, it's been working so long that you have to be like, oh, okay, they might actually be legit. Like this all might be the real. dividing <laughs> line between being hokey and sincerity is very thin. And if you're too cynical, you can completely erase that line or not give that line any credence. But a lot of times, it doesn't matter if something's hokey if it's sincere. I think Clemson's sincere. I think as good and they've been great in recruiting. But if you look at some of these positions, like we, we make jokes about, they're like white linebackers. They're overachieving linebackers, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Like these are guys who are probably high character guys. Like good, you hear about them being good leaders. It seems like they probably, like LSU, seems to have transitioned to put a high uh, a, a high weight on character, and it seems to be paying dividends the same way that it does to, to for for LSU. Absolutely. No, I think I think we're at a point where it's just real. These are two teams that really do show that this season. And like I gotta be clear on this. Like, I don't think LSU has been a bashing of character the past twenty years. I just think this team right now is. You know what I mean? Like I think the last like eight years, I think you can point to a lot of classes, the fifteen class, the sixteen class, which are the seniors now. Like there's a lot of like classes, the later less bios classes, if we're being honest, that were not great characters. No, classes. they weren't. They, they weren't. weren't. And and, and it's <laughs> I had funny. one source say that LSU's been been spent four years trying to like pay off the like not pay off like make good after that fit with the damage the 15 class well trying to turn a program is a bit like trying to turn like an aircraft carrier right you're not just going to turn on a dime like 
These things have momentum. And it does feel like LSU, for a while there, they couldn't beat Alabama, so they kind of shift their recruiting pitch to, we make NFL players. And it just seemed to kind of attract a – I mean, I've talked about this with Marlon Favorite before, but it seemed – and this was years ago, but it seemed to kind of attract maybe a lot of guys who – weren't as worried about team success, but were trying to get to the NFL as fast as possible. And I'm not saying that's... That's 100% accurate. You know, like, guys, nothing wrong with that. I, no. I feel you, man. If you come from, you know, you if, if you come up from maybe a lower, uh, like, socioeconomic background and you want to improve your standing life, yeah, the NFL being the ultimate goal, that's great. And there's no shame in that. Um, I chose my college because I wanted the, the best journals of school that was going to get me a good job. Like, there's yes, no difference in that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but in an ultimate team sport, if that is not paired with like true passion for the team, uh, you know, it, it might take away from the wins and losses. That's not crazy to say. And so, I, I've also found it to be true in my in my own experiences. And I wouldn't even say it as much as character in my own experiences, like. Or maybe not as long as people think, but I always thought about it in terms of the team getting along with each other. The teams That's that huge. was most sequestered, that didn't hang out on the weekends, those were the teams that did the worst. I think about like an 08 team I was a part of that went 8-5. and five. That was a pretty, pretty splinter team. Uh, the teams that hung out the most, which was my senior year team in 2011 and even 2010, like... We only lost three games in two years. So so there is a direct correlation between that locker room, how tight it is. And another thing you go into is something that Matt Flynn has mentioned throughout this year, huh. which is uh, the oligarchy of leadership. Yeah. So I think it was back week was proud of that line, two or three. It's a great line. <laughs> um, uh, I think it was week two or three where – we, I was talking to Flynn, and he was say, saying at that time, he was like, look, I think LSU is a championship-caliber team. And the reason why is he said every championship-caliber, not team that wins a championship, yeah. but every championship-caliber team that he's ever been a part of, whether that was in Green Bay or at LSU, they didn't just have great leadership at the top. They didn't just have the alpha, but they had the underbosses. And I think we've talked about that on this show before, right? You have your main crime boss, that's Burrow, and then you got your underbosses, though. Capos. Yeah, I, I no, put the underboss. crime analogy on it, but it's easy to understand, right? Yeah. And then you have your capos for each group. And, and so, yeah. like, in your story, <laughs> it's 100% accurate. it talks about how, okay, Rashard Lawrence got the defensive line together. Calevon got the outside linebackers. I think was it Delpit? Who got the I think Jacoby Stevens, Stevens mainly led the safeties, and, and he's Probably more the both, vocal leader yeah. there. But but Stevens get so you have your clear main alpha, but then you have your sub alphas, and and Flynn, who knows, was saying that that's been a consistent common denominator, and and he's won championships. He won a national championship. He won a Super Bowl. He's felt like he's been parts of NFL teams that were close to Super Bowls, and that was a constant in all of those teams is that there was great leadership in each room, and that's what this LSU team has, and that's what Clemson has Absolutely. as well. And, like, I could point to you, I'm not going to name names, but there have been a lot of LSU teams the last few years where it's, like, a lot of that fake leader, like, one guy trying to give some BS speech in front of the yeah. locker room, and everybody's like, okay, man. It's not that they think he's a bad leader, but it's just like, okay, like, that, what's this doing? It doesn't and, play. It's not. That's not real. That's kind of fake like movie t- bullshit you know yeah. like that's what that is that's a movie scene and I so, agree so I think there's a lot of truth to that and I think one of the fascinating things is that you know we we're talking about how it changes and how like it's you know the closest and whatnot 
again, I'm not claiming Ed Ogeron is like a bastion of finding good character, but there. But you talk to Shay Dixon, you talk to a lot of recruiting people, and you talk to people in the program, and you see it yourself with your own eyes. There has been a change the last three years in how he's recruited. Obviously, there are red flags in there. They're, you're your Kelvin Josephs. They're your you know they're guys who have their problems. But yeah. like you know, overall, and kids like smoking weed, even high character kids yeah. like smoking weed. But there's been a clear improvement. <laughs> but what I was gonna say is. I think it sometimes starts with one class. And Zach von Rosenberg, somebody who was a freshman on the 2017 team that was well, probably the peak of when a bad leadership team and a team that had a lot of the character stuff we're talking about that wasn't good. Yeah. You know, he, he talked about how he's seen a drastic difference in his four years and how it's changed. And he was a part of that 2016 class that wasn't. And this, he's got a little age, so got, he probably has a little He's bit been in better. minor league locker yeah. rooms for a long time, so he's a really, that's a really good point. And he was saying it's, it's about you have one class that maybe changes it a little bit. And then you, and the younger classes that go on, they see that's just how you do things, and then that's how you perpetuate it. And it goes back to the Clemson thing of like, now this is how you do it, and that's how you teach it. And it's not that they're like pulling these guys aside and teaching them all this corny stuff about how you work, but it's just like that's just how you do it, and that's how you perpetuate yeah, it's it. It's like through osmosis. I mean, I've always <laughs> yeah. felt that we learned a lot from you know the 07 team and the guys that came for us, and then yeah. and then and then and then it, and then it carried forward. Now and now let's look at that 2017 class though. Because it's crazy. Because that's the class we're really talking about here. Yeah. Right? What that, is it? Eighteen and twenty-four. You you read the numbers. You got the article. So yeah, twenty-four signees. I think fifteen of them have been starters. Wow. Eighteen of them have been like key contributors. Only like two or three have really had to leave, which is a crazy hit rate. Because if you look at the twenty fifteen class, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. But all right, Jacoby South quick. I'll move quickly. Jacoby Stevens, one of the main leaders of this team, one of the best people on the team. Yeah. Caleb Von Chason, one of the smartest, smarter people on the team, harder workers. Austin Deculus. Starter. Tyler Shelvin, one of the best players on the team. Jacob Phillips, starter. Grant Delpit, All-American. Todd Harris, starter. Kerry Vincent, starter. Miles Brennan, backup quarterbacks, possibly. Air, air apparent. <laughs> most likely air apparent. Ed Ingram, starter. Tyler Taylor had off-the-field issues, no longer on the team. So we're at, like, one clear. Ed Ingram also had off-the-field issues, but that's a whole different gray area we're not diving into. Yeah, that's, yeah, because... <laughs> That, we're, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. Well, I'm just no. I just to defend Ingram real quick. Jack Marucci does say that's one of the highest character players that he's he does. ever had. So that's a keynote. You're right. That's a very okay. Manny Netherly transferred from the team. So we're at like two real like departures. Lil Narcisse transferred, but I don't think he was a character guy. Just quarterback, quarterback things. <laughs> Sadiq Charles starter. Character issues though. That yeah. Needs to be suspended a good amount. Patrick Queen, one of the best kids on the team and one of the best leaders on the team. Yep. Neil Farrell, key contributor, starter. Clyde edwards Hilaire, one of the highest character kids on the team, starter. Leader. Throw your heart across <laughs> the line. And and your the ball will follow. Is that what it is? Whatever. It's I don't tight. Know. It's bad. Justin Thomas, key contributor, discipline issues though. But we're about four discipline issues, I'd say. Yeah. Race McMath, star on special teams, star and on. just a grinder. <laughs> I mean, just been kicking ass behind the scenes for a long John time. John Kirkland, another you know solid rotation player. Seth Stewart no longer with the team. Aaron Moffitt doesn't play, but another good character kid. Tory Carter, starting fullback. Justin Jefferson, the lowest rated unranked kid in the class, like all SEC receiver. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that is also that's a, important to highlight. It's that's like, an all-time hit rate. It really is. Anytime you have a great class like that, it reminds me of, to use a South Louisiana football <laughs> comparison, um, like the fact that a three-star in Edwards Elaire is now considered to be the player that he is, or a two-star in yep. Jefferson. And that tells that's you something. how you set yourself up for championships. I think about the 06 uh, draft class where Zach Streif was the seventh for the Saints, where Zach Streif was the seventh round pick, and then he became like a ten year starter for that team, 
or um, even 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 the draft like Alvin Kamara being drafted in the fourth round, right? Like yep. a guy you're like, okay, this is a little bit of a project. Maybe it works out, and then he goes on to kind of take the NFL by storm. Or so 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 we, you know it's good when you're even hitting on those lower rated guys, and so that class and that could be tough me. to consistently recreate yeah, that. You're never gonna whole. do that again. Yeah, yeah. but. But it, but it's where you are right now. It's at the template for where you are, and even the 2018 class, which is a thing that LSU people love to remind you. Is like as much as people shit on the 2018 class when it came out, it was the lowest rate in LSU. It was 15th in the country. It was like terrible LSU class. Yeah. Well, they left three spots open, and they were Joe Burrow, Cole Tracy, and Terrence Alexander. Wow. So it's like ah, that that should hindsight should probably actually be one of the best classes. I mean, that's how you won 10 games last year was Tracy and Burrow, and then that's how you've <laughs> obviously gone on to do what you've done this year. So all this is to say, sorry, yeah, it was no, a fun tangent, no, no, th- no, but 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 this is. So this is relevant, though, because how this ties back in is LSU is new to this culture game a little bit. Clemson's uh, they're like Bane; they've been born into it. Dabo, you know, you know, he's he's lived it for years now. And so this is the question: Thanks, I yeah. think that LSU is a better team from a pure talent standpoint on the field this I season. So, yeah. I think offensively, it's almost a wash at all the positions. I think LSU's a bit more overwhelming when you throw in the Marshall, uh, kind of maybe maybe like the Marshall Thad Moss. Because, I mean, the running backs and the top two wide receivers kind of match up with each other, right? And the quarterbacks yeah, as well, you probably. could say. Um, Clemson's offensive line is better than LSU's is. I would agree. But I think that LSU's front seven is actually better than Clemson's. I think that LSU's defense... Well, okay, maybe this way. Do you think LSU's defense is better than Clemson's? No. So, here... here what are, so, are we... But, but from a... I guess there's two different questions. Are you asking about the matchup specifically? Like, where's the bigger mismatch? I'm trying to think of... How, will this LSU defense have more players drafted eventually than this Clemson defense? Oh, you're saying because that's it. where it gets odd. Because I think about they a will. Talent point of view. Yes, like yes. I think they will, they will. Right. But I still think Clemson's defense is much better. But okay, so but not, I guess, not a diss on LSU either. But yeah, but so I guess the overall point is it's the question of what that coach asks right there. If I think that LSU is more talented, then how much can, like he says, the culture and the belief of Clemson. How much of that gap can that account for? Uh, and how much can really coaching account for? Because Brent Venables, he is kind of talked about uh, like this, just like 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 he says in the article, like the Baba Yaga, like, like the boogeyman. Uh, even though, you know, technically John Wick's the guy who hunts the boogeyman. So does that make Joe Burrow John Wick? I would say so. Uh, but he is the boogeyman, right? He is, he is supposed to be the best in the entire country. Can he solve this LSU problem when he doesn't have the overwhelming NFL talent that he had last season. And they got guys. And look, I, I want to talk like about Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, I think, is actually. No, and I want to talk about Isaiah Simmons. Yeah. He may be the best player on the field. He's incredible. He is Grant Delpit, but better uh, this season. He plays, we talked a lot of positionless football He's right now. Him, yeah. He epitomizes it. He can line up as a safety and cover. He leads Clemson in pass breakups. He can line up as a linebacker. Uh, he can line up as a pass rusher. He's the only player in the Power Five with more than 60 tackles, more than five sacks, and more than 10 TFLs. Yeah, uh, and he leads in pass breakups, the team. So, like, Isaiah Simmons. Picks. Yes, Isaiah Simmons is incredible. He's, he's, he's great. He's second in the ACC in TFLs with 11 and a half. But... They had three first-rounders and a fourth-rounder on that D-line. They don't have that this year. 
Um, the linebackers, like I said, good college players, but where do they project to be in the NFL? It's just one of those situations where they. I'm not. But I think the, you're looking at it as like because those guys aren't NFL game, guys. Not a championship really game, I guess you, my comments can be misconstrued as to saying this team is bad. No, we're splitting hairs here. Everybody's good, but some people are less good than others. And this Clemson team, from a talent standpoint, this defense is less good than last year's was. And yeah. and can Venables take that less good defense in the same way that he solved Tua? Nobody else could do that. Dominated Tua. Can he do it with a less good defense and solve Burrow? Yeah, that's I mean, the question. That yeah, will decide I, the game. And until proven otherwise, I'm, my gut's gonna say no. Like I'm obviously like Team Venables and Team Clemson didn't think they're incredible, but like yeah, we've seen this. You know, this is the sixth time we've had the storyline of like, can this? Will this defense be the one? No, I'm at a point now where I just have to like accept that like I, no stats gonna matter. None of that stuff I love using in these contexts are gonna matter. No scheme talk. I just think until proven otherwise, Joe Burrow and this offense are at a level that they can just beat anything you show them. They are just. They are at a level of execution that I've never seen before, and they can just overcome any little thing you throw at them. So I, I, until proven otherwise, no, I do not think Clemson's defense will stop LSU. So, can they slow them down? Which is actually oh, okay. Okay, no, continue. Okay, well then go on with that. <laughs> Might even be similar. Train. I don't know, but I thought there was a really interesting point in there, and I forget which you're one talking about. Was. Can they slow them down? Yeah, and it has to do with staying on the field, which I think is huge because I think that's what Auburn did. Even though Auburn's offense did not play well, they slowed the tempo of that game down drastically. It, they made LSU's drives go slowly. It wasn't even that they stopped LSU. LSU had 500 yards of offense, yeah. but they made drives go slowly. They made LSU nickel and dime them. Well, what, what what Auburn did more than anything to me uh, is they, they like we talked about, they played great situational football. They made second and ones into awkward third and ones yeah. into awkward fourth and ones. When they got around the goal line, they shut them down. Like, they won, they lost a lot of the battles, but they won the most important ones. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's how they contained LSU's offense. Because, yeah, you're not going to win a shootout with LSU. No. That's just fundamentally true. But if you can keep, make their offensive drives long, if you can make your drives long, I mean, it's such simple football. Go, you control the clock. That's that's not new. But, like, I think that was a really smart point that that might be your only real chance. And Auburn is the best example. So, the only real example. And, and once again, we arrive at the, the, the same problem that every other team ran into is nobody else. Last year, Clemson had these guys but this year nobody else has Marlon Davison, Derek Brown, Big Cat Bryant like they're not bringing those guys to bear. I know but I feel like you're kind of like viewing this team because you don't know as many of the names that it's not like still nasty. They're still nasty but I mean everything okay so but uh, so I'm just because it isn't comparable to last year does not mean it's still better than every not still better than everyone else you know what I mean? Okay so do you think this D-line's better than all I'm not necessarily saying that I just think your argument no are you saying that though I mean because that's what you're implying I think you could say not necessarily but that is what you're implying I and think, you're talking about a line. No, it's, yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, has what like uh, like it's uh, let me let me I, I got to pull up the article. They talk about it in the athletic article <laughs> that we've been referencing. But what, yeah, the like scouts say the, these four are better than most, but it probably won't produce the kind of buzz when those players enter the NFL draft. But this this Clemson's defense strength is its secondary and a front seven that almost always plays exactly as designed. Exactly. So the talent isn't as high. The discipline is elite, and the talent's still very good. These guys will yeah. end up in the NFL. That's my only point. But they're Sorry. not going. To, but but they're not overwhelming like Auburn's defensive no. line was, and and they're not. That's probably a better secondary than last year's Clemson was. You know what I mean? Like it all balances out. I think when it comes to stopping an elite quarterback, though, I think probably. secondary is. If Alabama's secondary couldn't stop LSU's receivers, I don't know whose secondary is going to stop. Do you think Clemson's secondary is better than Alabama's? I don't know enough about Clemson's secondary, to be honest. That kind of goes back to the name thing. Alabama had the names. Maybe this is just a commentary. Oh, but let's check the tape, though, because going into Alabama week, we talked specifically a lot 
about how highly rated was, that pass defense you're, was. You're absolutely right. Okay. I know. Yeah, and I was going to say, maybe this is just a commentary on how unstoppable LSU is. It really might be. But, yeah, because, I mean, Alabama's were the highest touted, and they LSU kind of embarrassed that secondary quite a bit. Like, yeah. Especially uh, Trevon Diggs had just got destroyed by Jamar Chase. So maybe we'll talk the same way. But So it's hard to, it's hard to answer the question knowing what we saw from Bama, if that makes sense. But, like... If you if it's probably right up there, and you asked me before, like, do I think this defense is actually better than everyone else? I would say, based on what I've seen this season, which I'm not an expert, but I think it's you know Auburn, Ohio State, and Clemson are pretty up there together evenly on the three best defenses I've seen this season. Okay, I don't know if one's set clearly better than the others. Ohio State might actually have the best one. They really might. I think that might be a real argument. I think I think I think probably like like that coach reference. Ohio State looks like the ones that have the most talent on every level defensively, which then becomes a bit scary for how Clemson found a way to crack that nut. Yeah, And it was an unorthodox way. It was Trevor Lawrence running and then using the run to set up that Etienne pass, but it's a credit to their culture, their talent, their coaching that they still found a way. Because LSU's defense, like you said, yeah, it's not as good as Ohio State's. Like, so, it's not as complete, I wouldn't think. So here's the other side of the ball. Do you think Clemson's offense is better than Alabama's? Yeah. You do. Talk me through it. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I think those are the two best offenses I've seen. Like LSU has faced this season, so I'm curious. Hmm. I mean, let's go through that roster of that Alabama one. I mean, that's an all-time offense. History will forget it because of the losses, and also because but they lost. Isn't Clemson's strength like their O line, which is which, massive? Which is also Alabama's. And then, well, I would say Alabama's probably their wide receivers, but then Clemson's bringing. But I'm saying like both have Higgins Alito lines. Ross to bear. They both have Alito lines. <laughs> like Trevor okay, Lawrence Alabama's receivers are. Alabama, I'm sorry, LSU fans. Alabama's the best receiving core in football. Like, LSU's two best ones are probably the best, but I'm sorry, Alabama's are four deep of, like, all-American level guys. Did, that's not the overall point. Yeah, but. well, no, that's fine. And, and LSU runs 11 personnel constantly, so they're not they're not really ever getting past that third receiver as yeah, much. But, I mean, Alabama, I'm sorry, like, Alabama's is, like, we're going to look back on that room just like we look back on, like, Ohio State's quarterback room three years ago. Just like, what the f- Like, yeah. holy shit. LSU's are, I think, LSU, I think LSU's two best are better, but, like, I'm sorry, it's just unreal. But is Clemson in a better offense, and this is pack. So, what is what does the S and P say about Clemson's offense and defense? So, because those yeah, are I'm supposed glad. to be opponent adjusted, and that is yeah. the hardest part. It's like you can't use I Clemson can't, stats, right? Yeah, you just I can't. cannot use Clemson's eleven points per game as a representative statistic. You cannot for that use Clemson defense. stats at all. I completely agree. Okay, so this is before bowl games. Uh, the S P plus is not updated probably because they won all the bowl games played. I'm not sure. Yeah, but uh, Alabama has the number two offense S P plus in the country. Who's number sounds one? about right. Uh, I believe Oklahoma was number okay. one. Uh, Clemson was number five. So that tells you something. But and it, and, it, and it does also take out garbage time, so you can't use that example either. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know my answer. But I think okay, they both have Alito lines. I'm not did, sure. Did Trevor Lawrence look a little rattled to you against Ohio State? And maybe that's just a credit to Ohio State. He just looked. He did. Pat Forty had a great column. I thought that that game where it was like this was the first time we ever saw football not look easy for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and he's still. I think the credit to him. It kind of goes back to the Burrow thing where you take all these stats and tangibles out of it and say sometimes it's just a great quarterback makes a play because Trevor Lawrence did get rattled. He found he, a way. He found came back and looked great down the stretch. But yes, I agree. He got rattled. Sorry. Well, I, I, I'm just I'm just trying to think about like I'm. What, I mean, we're, I guess we're playing a weird game here where I'm trying to think about okay. How did Tua look against some of these elite defenses versus maybe how did Lawrence look? Is Alabama's offense actually better than Clemson's? Here's my deal. Uh, Vegas has LSU, I think, favored for a reason. And and a lot of times it's just to encourage action. Um, But you encourage action by giving a kind of realistic projection of 
maybe where you think that game is at, and and you want to be right where it's kind of like in that 50-50 exactly. range. Yeah. And so being at five and a half, like I, it, it, it makes sense to me because LSU's offense is so unstoppable that I don't even think that Venables and company will be able to completely solve it. And, and, and I feel that with LSU's defensive rise here, of of recently that I think they're better positioned to get the stops needed uh, to separate a little bit. I actually view this my my takes are it's almost like I'm rehashing the Oklahoma takes, which where I, where I maybe undervalued LSU's defense. Where like I thought Jalen Hurts would get his early, and then it might be like 28, 28, 28, 21, and then eventually LSU would separate a la like a Florida, where they get enough stops and the offense keeps rolling. But they kind of just dominated Hurts from the beginning. So, and you and I, obviously, before I say this, you and I are probably the two like most vocal, like people need to chill with the defense, they're actually pretty good, all those mm-hmm. things. So before I say this, but I don't think a lot of, because these last three games are pointed to as the examples of how good this defense is, right? Yeah. But they're also the best matchups for this defense. Not Oklahoma, though. I actually just, I think, it, I everyone used the running thing. I think LSU against a quarterback that you can just make them pass. Like, if you, they were never scared of Jalen Hurts throwing. I mean, you know what I mean? That is true. But so they were did, able to take away one thing. I guess so. I guess I would only want to point out that we're using the benefit of hindsight. Huge point. Going into that Huge game, point. we, were we talking thought about the that run. they were a, they were perfectly uh, positioned to exploit LSU because we saw LSU struggle against the counteraction against Ole Miss. LSU gives up explosive plays. Nobody right. created more explosive plays. But the hindsight does Lamb give me more information for what it's worth. So. Yes, no, no, exactly. But, <laughs> but, but you're right. Okay, you're right. You're so right. Hand in hand with that hindsight, though, yeah, is are we devaluing the defense a little bit? If 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 they if they and I agree with you because Georgia's shit. Georgia's offense is shit. Yeah. Okay, uh, and they're a perfect matchup. A yeah. and M's offense is shit. And it was a good matchup. <laughs> Um, and then Georgia, I mean, Oklahoma, I'm not saying it was a good matchup, but what, what I think the key there was if you're able to just, it's like the Bill Belichick thing of his, he's not a genius. He just tries to make you play left-handed. Yeah. He tries to take yeah, away your best yeah, thing. Yeah. That's kind of what else he was able to do. They were able to say, we're just going to stop your run and make, try to beat us. Until so Clemson can truly do both. Like in yes. Alabama truly did both. That, and then here's my overall point. When you look at the games that LSU's defense has really looked the most human, and actually, aside from Ole Miss, that's different, but Alabama and Texas. It's when you play a real quarterback, like a real, and even Pitts. I mean, even a uh, Kyle um, Trask. Oh uh, yeah, Trask is good. Trask is good. Fucking it's, Mullen. I'm not saying I'm, I. When I say this, I'm not saying like LSU's a problem with good quarterbacks. No, it's just common sense. When you place a team that's balanced, it's going to be harder. But Alabama was the team that could run the ball and pass the ball, and they went on for a massive second half run. Texas was the team that had an elite quarterback and all these things, and they were able to go on a crazy second half run. Here so, is, but but here's where the Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback they're going to play this yes, year. Yes, hands down. Two, it might be the better overall quarterback, but I just think you add in the ankle stuff, and Trevor's probably better this year. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, whatever. It's probably like a one A with yeah. him, Burrow, and Lawrence. It's like one A B C. You know, they're all they all could be the first overall pick in the NFL draft uh, if Tua hadn't got hurt. Like that's the type of caliber of player we're talking about. Here's the issue with this because you're right. In terms of where LSU's defense struggled this year, but here's where it becomes hard to judge and predict outside looking in, Brody, is this LSU defense isn't doing the same things as those were, and this LSU defense, maybe even more so, isn't made up of the same personnel as as those were. I mean, that Texas game, you were really light in oh, the yeah. front seven, I and, that up, ended yeah, up, right. and that ended up really hurting you. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't have brought up Texas as like a key example. The Florida game... Well, Florida's kind of a tale of two halves because the second half, 
looks more like the second half of the season, and the first half looked more like the Complete, first half of the season. Completely agree. And then Alabama, yeah, Alabama, you just, you know, the, the, that game you just got beat. So maybe that is the most concerning aspect because and that's Clemson's the only- bringing the offense that would be most like Alabama. <laughs> I was going to say, Alabama's really, I think, where my head was really at with this point, which is it's the only offense they've played that's sincerely balanced. It's a good O-line, elite quarterback, unbelievable receivers, and then also a really good running game when it comes down to it. Well, Etienne's the best running back LSU's faced this season. Yep. I mean, he's one of the best in football. It's, it's, he's just a superstar. Lawrence is one of the best quarterbacks they're going to face this season. Ross and Higgins are two of the best two of the best four receivers they're going to play this season. I mean, it's just like you're facing a team that you actually – you can't – I think Dave Rand is fantastic when he, like, you know, is making somebody play a left-handed thing, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm talking my ass, but like I'm just saying, this is one. Reason. How do you make Clemson play left-handed? I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly the question. that's my question. It's, it's not even a random. It's criticism. the same thing that Ven- Venables and Aranda are in the same boat here. Yeah. How do you make these seemingly unstoppable offenses play left-handed? Uh, and then I would say, like, well, go watch the UNC film. But like LSU has grown during the year, I don't put a lot of relevance on early LSU film from this year. I don't Completely put a lot. Of, I don't put a lot of relevance on early Clemson film from this year. So. How do you stop them? That's what both these guys have to ask themselves. I will say this. Tell One me this. thing about uh, if I want to give an advantage to LSU beyond just the fact that they've been tested more. Like we've seen Trevor Lawrence tested one time yeah. and he passed that test of flying colors. What I love for LSU is this. If what is Brent Venables known for? Like you said, different things every week. And still being able to get his players to understand their responsibilities so there's no busted plays, right? But they're going to give you different looks. They're going to mix things up. Harris makes everything work because, like we said, he is positionless football. So you can Simmons. line him Simmons. up anywhere and he can't be a tip for like what you're going to do. And that's really – so that's Venables' thing, right, Well. What have Brady and Burrow told us constantly recently? And the only reason I leave Ensminger out is because he doesn't talk. But yeah. um, is that didn't did Burrow make a joke? Like he was joking to the coaches, like we might as well stop watching film because nobody's doing what they do on film, yeah. right? They're, they're, so you have an LSU team that has shown the ability to process quirks very quickly, yeah. and then. Exploit those quirks, right? And a lot of that goes back to Burrow. Yeah, I think a huge part of that. And and the in game adjustments with with the coaching staff, and so that's going to be a fascinating battle, right? And then even on Venables on the other side, as the athletic article points out, they're talking about how maybe like no one is better in the country at taking signals than Venables is, and his own in game adjustments and figuring out so. Watching that tit for tat chess match, does Clemson run something just completely different than they've run all year? Is it a customized plan? How different is it? And then when LSU adjusts, how does Venable adjust? You you are talking about what seemed to be one of the most malleable defenses in the entire country versus one of the most malleable offenses in the entire country, and that ability to adapt makes that that just how that battle will play out. It makes it so hard to uh, to. To really know, outside of them just kind of blindly taking LSU offensively because they passed every test, so I think it'd be a bit of a fallacy to take them to not pass this test. Yeah, no, I, I all of this to say that I think what we're really getting at, and I think we agree here, is like you took it, look at every tangible thing involved here, and I think this game is actually pretty even. I really like I kind of yeah. do. Yeah, Clemson has better defense, LSU has better offense, all these things, but <laughs> at the end of the day. Joe Burrow might just be such a difference maker and such a generational processor, accurate quarterback, just 
gamer that I think no matter what Clemson does, I feel pretty confident after 14 games of sample size that he will counter that by in his own way. Yeah, the Even Marvel the, superhero thing. I think we're just there. So that's why I'm okay with the five and a half line is that I think really if you were just looking at this game and a lot of just tangible, you know, black and white things, yeah. Maybe else he's a one-point favorite, something like that. But I just think the Burrow stuff is you're at a point where it defies science, defies logic. It's just like, I think you just trust Burrow in the situation. And that's where I stand at this game. I, as I'm the guy who tries to use all these advanced stats, and I think I just have to throw that away right now and just say, like, I just think Burrow's going to win this football game. Yeah, well, it goes back to what we've said for a few weeks now in the biggest games is when you got two good teams, if all things are held equal, who has the better quarterback? Now, the thing about the games like Georgia and – Oklahoma, who's that Burrow was clearly was clear. better. Uh, <laughs> this is a lot closer, which is why LSU fans, you, you know, you should be a little more concerned going into this one. The, the, the Clemson having a better defense thing is interesting because I agree, but like we said, I don't expect, and I could be wrong here, but I don't expect that they'll have as many high draft picks on that defense as LSU will have. So, like, how does Clemson accomplish that? Is that is that just Venables? Is that, like, does that go back to coaching and culture and all those things? I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I'm just kind of pondering out loud. And then I wonder how that how that affects the game. So is this what, what, where does this rank on the best national championship games ever? Like, going into it. I think that needs to be clear. Like, you can't use hindsight. I don't have great... I think it ranks pretty damn high. I'm now, not a good like sports historian okay. guy. Well, okay, I, you're right. I should say like last 20 years or so. Yeah, but but even then, I'm saying like I, I'm not always the best fair. at that stuff. Because I think the Alabama Clemson ones actually should be viewed that way, but just like they weren't because of the fatigue and all that stuff. I just you know the first. Also, isn't Alabama in some of those years like? I think one year didn't they get in despite not winning the West for one of the yeah, Clemson 17, games? Yeah, 17 they barely got in. Yeah. And they like, won it all. You're talking well, about two, that year, this year you're talking about two 14-0 and 0 exactly. powerhouses. You have that, and then you have like you know like the early Clemson-Alabama matchups. No one really bought in on Clemson. You know yeah, what I mean? Fair. So it's like So no one really thought of it that way, and now we view it that way. Now but they're then, the big dog. But then by last year, which was the best one, everyone was kind of like in a fatigue mode. So it became like there's all this context to it, so I don't think those work. Definitely Alabama... Georgia, no. I mean, it had the coaching matchup stuff and the rematch part of it, but like, not rematch. But yeah, that one doesn't work. I think you'd have to go back. I feel pretty good about this. I think the closest one is USC, Texas in 06. Vince Young? That's the best one. I mean, that's considered yeah. the best game ever. Like, it really is. Reggie Bush with that lateral. <laughs> Vince Young, Josh, Matt Josh Liner, Allen Reggie trying to go full Reggie Bush. <laughs> I think that's the best one. Because, like, you know, there were some good ones in the late 2000s. You got, like, I think it was like Tebow versus Sam Bradford or was one, I want to say. And I don't remember the Florida ones, actually. Well, yeah, the LSU ones were all kind of like not that exciting because uh, none of it. Oh three was pretty good, but even then, it was a split national championship. And that wasn't, that was, that's true because Oklahoma lost in the Big Twelve championship, it lost, that and it year. wasn't an exciting LSU team. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't an LSU team. That people were like, "You gotta watch this LSU team." Well, they were, but it was from the defensive side of the ball. It was Chad Lavallee and Marcus Spears and Corey Webster. It was like, <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It was, it was it was the defensive side of the ball that was exciting. It wasn't the the offensive zeitgeist that is currently. Gripping uh, South Louisiana, yeah, 07, definitely not. I mean, that 07 team's the only, uh, even that Ohio State team. Between yeah. us, I grew up an Ohio State fan, and like, wasn't Todd Beckman was the quarterback of that team? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I mean yeah, nobody I mean, was psyched to watch that Ohio State. Beanie team. Wells, baby. <laughs> oh, I loved Beanie Wells. Yeah, exactly. I loved Dude. Beanie Wells. Don't be forgetting about Beanie, son. I really was a huge fan. Um, um, well, I played in a game of the century, Brody. So uh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, that's what they called the. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. The game of the century. I, I'm aware. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, wow. No, <laughs> fell, fell and that's that's the thing. 2011 championship should have been one of them too. But then you also had the fatigue factor. 
So I really think th- my overall point here is I think this is the most hyped, interesting, just exciting national championship game in 13 years. And it is a little fascinating. The quarterback in Lawrence Versborough. You just can't top that. It is a little fascinating because Ojan Verstappen. Clemson is this sort of enigma where, as we said, you can't. It's hard to put too much stock into their resume this season because of the ACC and their and their quality of opponents. But I wouldn't be shocked at all. They, if they did came beat out. the crap out of everyone, and they do carry the weight of history with them. Yes. I mean, going yeah, to yeah. the last four of the last five national championships speaks for itself. That's like that's a that's a, that's a big dick move right there by Dabo. And, and it's not even just the history of like, oh, we know they can do it. It's the history of years and years of people saying, I'm not sure about Clemson, yeah. and then they shut you up. <laughs> like so, like this specific scenario, we have proof of. So yeah, I think LSU wins. I actually think they win by a touchdown, maybe even more. I don't know, but there would be zero part of me, like zero part of me, shocked if Clemson went out had a perfect game plan and won this game by 14. Like just n- nothing would shock. You see, me. that would truly shock. Me. It would that, shock. That, me. that would truly shock. I me. feel like this is a game where anything could happen, which is what excites me so much about it. I um I don't know man. I think I I'm I'm probably just lost sight of uh objectivity here and I'm probably just too deep in the woods but I think LSU's defense is going to play better than Clemson's defense. And I don't know if that's to say that LSU's defense is better overall, and I'm not going to be able to back that up with any numbers <laughs> because like yeah. the numbers are not going to support that argument at all. I just I I think they're going to. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just call my shot. That's all I'm saying. I'm not even. We don't have to have any commentary on. It. I can't expound on it at all. We've kind of, you know, I've kind of been working through these thoughts this entire podcast. I've been trying to. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you and I are both I at a place of like we don't know where we stand, and this podcast has us been trying to figure it out. <laughs> which is actually, I think, good. It's good podcasting. Yeah. I think so. Uh, There's nothing no, worse than people I, who I, think I they agree. know everything. So I mean, I think that's where I'm landing after an hour of talking about this, and it's kind of where I started, but. I can't shake it. I think that LSU's defense is going to play better than Clemson's, and I think that'll be the end. Now, and granted, you know, I think LSU's offense may be a little bit stronger, so it's like whatever, what does playing better mean? Uh, but I just think they'll come up with more stops in Clemson. I guess, in, and this is so, this, so we talk about not being able to use Clemson stats. On the other hand, um, because a lot of what the, what I'm basing this on is that uh, Lawrence and company looked vulnerable against Ohio State. LSU didn't have to play Ohio State. And so, like, definitely these semifinals could be weighing heavily on my mind here. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, I think that I'm glad you at least are aware of that because I do. That's my number one thing I hate about, like, sports critique is, like, we talk about this all the time on the show, but, like, Oh man, like they look vulnerable against Ohio State, like or like Ohio State when they look vulnerable against Penn State that one time. And yeah, I was like, it's like, well, yeah. that's that's a byproduct of this, <laughs> the college football playoff, the the fact yeah. that we're like overpicking those regular season games. Yeah, and it's just Ohio like, State won that game by like twenty, and, and it's they like vulnerable against Penn and it's State. Like, yeah, you're not supposed to always de- demolish a top ten team. That's football. <laughs> Like, the two and three teams in the country played each other. Yeah, the number two team in the country made Clemson's offense look flawed. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy, right? <laughs> so, okay, so we've asked a lot of, you know, is Clemson the best that, you know, uh, LSU's played in this aspect or this aspect. Outside of Ohio State, is LSU the best defense that Clemson's played all year? That's a fun question. 
Give me a second. Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about Clemson's schedule. The only yeah. hard teams they had were A&M and No, the answer A&M. is yes. It's A&M and LSU would be the only two um, candidates. Uh, there was a four-week stretch for South Carolina's defense looked good, but it's not good. Uh, don't, don't, Brody, don't. You always do this. You can't quit Muschamp. I'm just looking at their schedule. You just, you just can't quit Muschamp. You just tried to give South Carolina a four-week credit to throw them into the same defensive category as Clemson and LSU and Ohio State. Oh, as Clemson and Ohio State. You can't shit. do that. South shit. Carolina was never I was just that looking good. at the SP rankings of every team they played except Clemson was like the fourth best. That's all. Oh, uh, really? Was South Carolina uh, above Clemson in the S&P? No. Oh, oh okay, I was thinking okay. of Clemson's schedule. Oh, who, who they played. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. okay, and then also I would have said Virginia had a run where their defense looked nasty, but LSU was better in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah. LSU was the best defense they played besides Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that success LSU can uh, emulate. And I yeah. will say, this, and we both shocking... agree, you just can't predict anything because we our only our only sample size is Clemson versus Ohio yeah. State. We can't look at the other stuff. How how shocking would it be if? Uh, I mean, how crazy would it be like if Burrow and them actually looked mortal in that first first half? I wonder how I wonder how that would uh, that would be fascinating to see. We talked a lot about character. And with character comes the ability, I think, to handle adversity and to withstand a punch. I wonder, could Burrow and company do the same thing that Lawrence and them had to do last week where they had to grit one out and find a way to win? And you could say they maybe did against Auburn because they were losing against Auburn for, for wasn't it like 10-3? Something like that. Yeah, 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 they were losing a little bit. In Florida, they were down 28-21. Yeah, they had to come back, so... Florida uh, looked in control for most of that first half. Yeah, they did. They did. People forget. But at the halftime show, the Golden Band from Tigerland did a video game medley, and once they played the Pokemon and Super Mario themes, I mean, you knew that game was a wrap. No, it was was the lead of my game. It was was over. That's all we talked about. It was completely over at that point. Um, So, I guess, look, I guess, okay, so we're, we're here an hour, so I think we should give... Our final uh, hold that podcast podcast takes shit on these games. Right, uh, it's not necessarily our final takes because we still have a week left of coverage here, and you never know what could develop in sports during a week. But these will be our final takes here on this Tuesday. And my final take is that I think that LSU's defense is going to play better than Clemson's, and I think that's going to end up being the difference, and that they'll be able to stop Lawrence better than Clemson, be able to stop Burrow, and. And that will lead to an LSU win and win the Natty in New Orleans. Um, I'm going to do a little like semantics here you're going to get mad at me for. Yeah. But uh, I think Clemson's and LSU's defense are going to play equally well. Oh, yeah. But LSU's offense is yeah. just. Sit on that fence. Get that pole right up your ass there, Brody. No, it's not that's not on the fence. Thing. It's clarifying. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's even it's getting more touche. specific than you. So you think they'll play equal? They'll play equally well, but LSU's offense is uh, just so good okay, that they okay. win like 38-28. That's yeah, that's pick. solid. I, I That's that's essentially how I feel, just worded better. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe I'm not coming for that I was just gonna position say, after I was just all. Gonna say yeah, that. Yeah, Back yeah, off, yeah, man. Yeah, beat you to it. Oligarchy um, of leadership. Yeah, uh, oligarchy of leadership is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess so. We're kind of of the sounds like we're in the same place a little bit. But as you said, I think the main takeaway here is it's an incredibly exciting championship, more so than it has been in years. Two undefeated behemoths going toe to toe. What's not to love? And um, we didn't get into this much today, but narratively, I really love this game in terms of 
the last time LSU was in this stadium in a national championship, they delivered a knockout blow that quite literally sent the program reeling. Like, the program yep. did not recover from 1-9-2012 until this year. And maybe even last year a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, but but it's, in, it's in for the better part of a decade. It, it sent you down a dark hole. And so it would be the ultimate exorcism, right? The ultimate breaking of the curse if you were able to go into New Orleans. It reminds me of like the Red Sox going down 3-0 to the Yankees the year that they broke the curse in the ALCS and like that being the stage in which they had to overcome to then win a World Series. Like LSU going back to this building where where last time they were there, it broke people. Thousands of people spent thousands of dollars for tickets that were then terrible investments that treated them. They spent thousands of dollars to have one of the worst nights of their lives. LSU's punter is one of them. Yeah, exactly, and that's not an exaggeration. And so to be back in that building, narratively, the opportunity is huge, and it's and it's and it's so satisfying. And you're so close, man. You're so close. The pain of what fans felt after the Saints lost the other day, that pain is what makes the highs of winning a championship so great. Because at the end of the fight, there's only one guy left standing, and LSU's they've taken out everybody but one, and it's the big dog. It's the Mike Tyson. You're the number one contender. LSU is. You had to fight your way up through the ranks. Okay, now you got the belt holder. What can you do? And uh, it's enough to, I mean, no blue chew needed, people. It's enough to get me, oh, I got goosebumps coursing through my body right now. And nipples are hard, by extension. I want to end it there, buddy. Because those, um, you know, that's how goosebumps work. How about this? 1958, LSU's first national championship. Where was that? New Orleans. Yeah. Who'd they beat? Was it, no, it was Clemson, was it? Clemson. No shit. Yeah. How did I not know that? All right. But Clemson, you know, it wasn't like a natty game, but they played Clemson true, to true, go true. undefeated and win the natty. Sure, All right. So how about that? I didn't. I actually, I don't know how I didn't know that. But yeah, that's all. Awesome. How about that? I mean, friends? the New Orleans thing, like, there has to be something. Like, I wanted to write a story on it, but there's just nothing explicable about it. You can't, yeah. It's, but it's just freaking weird. <laughs> like, it's, it's the uh, truth is stranger than fiction thing. <laughs> it's like sometimes, like, you know, no matter how creative we get in our writing, it was our, already our weird if it was writing. Sometimes the real world has ways of just being weird. It was already w- it already would have been weird if it was just like the three titles, right? Fifty eight oh three oh seven. Yeah, like, that'd have been really fucking weird and be really fascinating. For it to also be eleven when Play they lost twenty eleven like, again, it's just getting to a point of like this is just something weirds going on that I can't explain. <laughs> yeah, the stars just align. But see, okay, but that's the thing. If you lose this game then that's no longer a positive. If you lose this game, the Superdome suddenly becomes a place of horrors for you. It becomes a place where still all three your... still 3-2 in those settings, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, but what? It, but it's the classic what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sports talk BS. If the last two times you win, 7 don't won't feel that good if you lose this year and you lost in 11. That building is then a, a like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a place for horrors and right. bad memories. So... It's all on the line, baby. It's in the soil. Can you feel it? The voodoo. No, I mean. God, I'm excited. And just think about it for the next like few years. Just think about how different the entire prison we view this program will be. Yes. If Ed Ogeron is ain't. Like, actually take a step back and think about what you thought of Ed Ogeron two years ago. Ed Ogeron would be a national championship winner. Like that. Once that's attached to your name. that you're, the you're, way, money, you're golden for life. The way you're viewed as a coach. 
and every circle is different. Unless Dabo became Chizik. a respected coach, the <laughs> unless, sec- unless you're Gene Chizik. Everybody else, that's though, a really good point. Everybody else gets massive credit for their Larry entire Coker coaching lives. Chizik, yeah, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, look at the last 15 years of college football. Only like four coaches have national titles. Yeah, right. Am I wrong? It's Saban, Urban. We'll take Chizik out. Saban. <laughs> Urban, the ultimate anomaly, dude. Nobody Jimbo, Auburn Dabo. teams even played in the NFL <laughs> except for Cam Newton. And Nick Fairley. Yeah, 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 yeah. and Nick Fairley. I but no, yeah, that. so I mean, just the idea of like LSU already always being one of these hotbed schools and then being like national title winner just changes everything about how you're viewed nationally, locally, recruiting-wise. It just does. So that's what And if I you lose, it's about... the same LSU where yes. it's like always a good program, yes. always really good. Not quite there. And that's why this gets your blood going. The disparity of the results and what it means going forward. A lot is on the line for this game. Not just for this year and for hanging a banner, but for, like like you said, the future, perception. Ed Ogeron, three years removed from losing a home game against Troy, like you said, could join those coaches that you just mentioned as national championship winners. It's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. And it's all next Monday. Can't wait. If you're in New Orleans, come out Saturday to the House yeah, of Blues. please do. That's be out fun. there noon to three with the entire athletic college football staff. It's going to be a ton of fun. Just being on the stage in the House of Blues is going to be cool. And like I said, we're going to be drinking, hanging out uh, early on. If you want to get there and chat it up with your favorite writer, subscribe to The Athletic. He is at Brody A. Miller on Twitter. I'm at TBOP53. Go to A-Bears Meets. A-Bears Specialty Meets, excuse me, um, off of Jefferson High, Bocage. Uh, or you go to the one in Prairieville and get all your meats there. Uh, Thirty-eight twenty-eight is what you said. I'm kind of with you. I know. I feel really crazy saying that, but that's my pick. Yeah. Your problem with you is you're constantly at battle with trying not to be a homer, but you, this yeah, friction is created. You know me very well. I love that. This this friction is created because you're covering a team that has just been more badass than everybody I hate else. It. I don't want to so cover like, good teams. And so like you can't like I want to cover it with solid but not great teams. <laughs> exactly. That's I, we've talked about this. That's why I think the LSU beats the best in the country. Because they're always interesting. They're always toward the top. Yeah. But they're always one step below. So it's always interesting to write about. It's it's yeah, no, it's one of those things where like, yeah, if you like you said, you don't want to be overly homer, but that's why I never want to cover Alabama. Objectively you can't talk about this team except in glowing terms. Uh, so we'll see. We think LSU's going to win the national championship. When we, we record do. next week's episode, we will either be very happy or very sad, or at least I will be, Brody being the objective journalist that he is, will have no emotion toward the game. But we will break it down anyway next week. Um, hey, 9 Indiana coming next year. I believe. They have a really manageable schedule, actually. <laughs> there you go. And everyone's back. It. Let's fall. Let's end it there. Go Hoosiers. Go Tigers. Beat the Tigers. Beat Clemson. Claim back Death Valley. Let's go, Eddie O. I love you all. Rate review. We'll see you next week.